Welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast, the podcast of veteran leaders offering leadership lessons to newbies. Whether you're brand new to leadership or expanding your leadership responsibilities, this podcast will provide the knowledge and experience you need to lead courageously and effectively. This podcast is a production of the Credible Leadership Group, a coaching and consulting firm devoted to your leadership development, career advancement, and personal growth. Learn more at CredibleLeaders.com. Now, here's your host, Michael Tanner. Well, hello there, friend. Michael Tanner here, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast, episode number 71 here. So thank you so much for tuning in. Because you're listening, I get to do what I love to do, and that's share great leadership content with you. I know you could be doing other things with your time. You've chosen to spend it here with me. Thank you so much for doing that. Hey, today I've got a really special interview with a good friend of mine, uh, Sean Glaze. He actually lives just up the road from me, about 20 minutes from me here, uh, which it was kind of convenient to or nice to find a, um, you know, a fellow Atlantan here. So he's uh, he's nearby here in Atlanta with me. Uh, and it, so it's just a good time to uh, connect with him uh, and learn about what he's doing for the purpose of team building. I'm excited to share this topic with you all on the podcast today, but I'm, I'm and especially resonate with the things that Sean teaches because he does so from a basketball coach background. So if I have a, a preferred sport, it is certainly basketball. Uh, now, while this podcast episode is airing, um, our Atlanta Braves are currently in the World Series. And so right now at the moment, baseball is probably my favorite sport. But overall, basketball, that's the, the one that I participated the most in while I was in school. So I can certainly resonate with a lot of the message that Sean is going to share with you today on team building. Uh, before I get into that interview with Sean and and describe, uh, you know, share with you a little bit about Sean, uh, let me first remind you about the Leadership Calculator, our free tool for assessing your leadership effectiveness. This calculator gives you a score on your leadership effectiveness, but it then also gives you a report that you can then use to improve your leadership effectiveness. Here at the Credible Leadership Group, we do two things really, really well. We measure leadership effectiveness and we improve leadership effectiveness. And we've made this leadership calculator available to you so that you can do just that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Sean Glaze before I get into the interview. Uh, Sean has been inspiring individuals to become winning teammates now for over 20 years. He's the founder of Great Results Team Building, and he travels around the country sharing interactive insights uh, for his experiences at, from his experiences as a high school basketball coach. And he helps leaders and teammates create meaningful connections. And when Sean is not, when he's not on the road and doing those things, he's uh, when he's not helping transform groups into more productive teams, uh, he's in his living room fighting his dog for a comfortable spot on his sofa, he says. Or he's crossing off items in his wife's uh, home improvement honey-do list, both of which I can also uh, relate to. So just the, the basketball teachings I can relate to, the fighting for with your dog for a good spot on the sofa I can relate to. In fact, in, as I'm recording, you can probably hear my dog in the background. He's found his toy, and uh, he's playing with that. Uh, and I'm certainly familiar with the honey-do list and home improvement. And I'm guessing that that honeydew list at some point in time had to do with uh, wallpaper hanging because Sean talks about how he's uh, a ridiculously bad 
wallpaper hanger. Uh, I don't know the full story behind that, but next time we have him on the podcast, we may have to uh, figure that out. But uh, just uh, excited to share this interview with you, with Sean Glaze and his basketball experience, his leadership experience, and how you can better build your team. So now let's get over to this interview with Sean Glaze. Sean, welcome to the Rookie Leaders Podcast. We, you and I spoke several weeks ago, and I had to postpone on you, and I really regretted that. But ever <laughs> since we spoke, uh, I've been really excited to share you and and your topic around team building with uh, with the audience here at the Rookie Leaders Podcast. But first of all, welcome so much uh, to the podcast. It's good to have you. Thank you very much. Really excited to share today with your uh, your leaders and hopefully giving them some valuable nuggets they can take away and apply to their teams to build the team culture they want. Yeah, you know, we, and this is probably a little bit of my fault. I mean, I so focus the podcast and my content on leaders and what do you need to do as leaders. And, and I think maybe sometimes um, all of that focus on leader and what you should be and how you should be, it, it somewhat overshadows maybe uh, the the need to build a good team, right? And and that's the responsibility of the leader. I get that. But I, I feel like, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to share you and, and your content with the audience today is because I think maybe you're bringing to light this, this need for a leader to be active in team building, whereas some of my content in the past maybe hasn't focused on that. So I'm really excited to share that. Well, let, let me uh, go ahead and address the fears that some of your readers probably have, because if I had heard somebody open a podcast talking about team building, yeah. I probably would have been the guy crossing his arms and rolling his eyes and looking for the next episode, because team building, absolutely, uh, and let's be honest, it, it is a very wide umbrella, mm -hmm. and there's a lot that falls up underneath what is called team building, and, and uh, one of the things I'm really excited to share are some tools and some tips and some insights that your leaders can take back to their teams because ultimately the 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 quality of a team culture is always going to rest on the shoulders of the leader mm -hmm. uh, and, and you're going to see that uh, in some of the things I know we'll talk through today in our conversation uh, but I realized that and a little bit of my background was I was a really bad leader in a locker room. I was actually a high school basketball coach, and that's how I came to leadership. Mm -hmm. I know there's so many in terms of military and other business leaders that you've had on. Uh, but it was through athletics that I learned a lot of the lessons as a leader because I really stepped in a lot of potholes early on as a leader and had focused so much on that same strategy on the X's and O's for me with basketball. But for so many leaders in other industries, it's that X's and O's of strategy that they get so enamored with that causes us sometimes to put those blinders on and we neglect the people element and the connections and the camaraderie and the culture that allow our strategy to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all attest to that, Sean. I mean, I, I don't want you to come on the podcast here and feel like you're alone in that, you know, you <laughs> recognize you were a right. bad leader at one time and you've corrected that. Uh, I think all of us leaders have been there and done that. I know I've done it. I've been vulnerable on this podcast a, a few times with stories of my past that, uh, you know, just, uh, atrocious as a leader. It, it didn't know any better, that kind of thing. 
Um, and I've had to correct a lot of that. And, but, but I understand also what you're talking about, about, you know, you hear the topic of team building. You're like, Oh no, I don't know that I want to listen to this podcast, but, (laughs) but why I want the audience to listen and why I'm excited to share is because I know you're not going to come on the podcast today and, and recommend, you know, these ropes courses and these trust falls and, and all of these things. Um, you know, I, I have, I've taken notes from the last time you and I spoke and, and I know that you're going to share with the audience, the, the real work, right? The, the, the inside the team work that's done on a daily basis. That's necessary to build a good team. Uh, I just never subscribed to the idea that you go to some offsite uh, adventures course uh, and you enjoy a, a fun day and you come back all wonderfully a team that's just not the way it works right and and i think that a number of leaders like you and like me when i first started you raise an eyebrow because you do distrust the simplicity of a silver bullet activity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and just because we have fun together doesn't mean we're going to work together more effectively when we get back to the office that said one of the things that I share with any group that I work with because I still do half day and full day team building events but there's a very large chasm of difference between recreational team building Mm -hmm. and really intentional team building that focuses upon using experiences to improve awareness to change beliefs which ultimately impact behaviors and when you want to change the culture in any organization that really involves changing individual behaviors and our behaviors are always a result of our beliefs and our awareness and those always rest on the experiences that we've had so if i'm doing my job in the midst of working with a group of um, corporate employees and leaders or whatever group I might be working with, mm-hmm. my job is to provide really meaningful experiences. And some of those are activities that allow us to debrief and to discuss and really make it relevant for them. And what does that mean for us? And how do we move forward? And what's that takeaway nugget so that I have an improved shared experience and improved awareness that's going to impact my behavior? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, if you want a better culture, you need different behaviors from yourself and your team. Yeah, you know, and I, and I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that I'm against uh, fun outings and so forth as a team. I, I love those as well. I just want us to recognize that the value in those, you know, is just the relationship building and getting to know one another outside the work, uh, outside of work environment and, and just having fun right together. Um, but yeah, the idea of team building it, it's hard work and it's gotta be done. You know, you being a basketball coach, I, I played basketball as well. And I know the majority of the team building that happened for mm-hmm. us as a basketball team happened on the practice court, right? Where we're, we're tired, we're sweaty. Uh, you know, it's just us in the gym. It's not anyone else. Um, that's where a lot of the team building happened. It wasn't, you, you know, in these activities off the court, if you will. So I'm, I'm really this fan of, of your framework and the idea that the team building is going to happen on the court. It's going to happen in the team in the work at hand. 
Yeah, and, and, and team building, when you talk about those activities, Michael, I think that those are basically opportunities to shine a light on behaviors that sometimes people aren't aware of mm-hmm. how my behavior, how my body language, or how my mindset is affecting the team. And sometimes, you know, for people to see, you know, how I do this thing is probably how I'm doing other things. Mm-hmm. And am I being withdrawn or isolated? Am I being somebody who's looking to contribute? Am I being somebody who is supportive? Am I being somebody who is looking to take personal responsibility for team results? Mm-hmm. Am I connecting with the people and recognizing what their strengths are? You know, there are so many things that go into that personal awareness that gives you a chance to be a far better teammate and leader once you go through some of the, the reflection opportunities and the conversations that do make it relevant mm-hmm. to that team. And I'm again, uh, I think that ultimately all of those experiences allow leaders to be able to build relationships that help them more specifically walk through that process of building a great team. And I know that's what we had talked about earlier of, of kind of really getting into today. Yeah. 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 And I know you have, uh, I love uh, frameworks, right? I, le- I love things that uh, I can remember and I can, you know, remember the steps to them. And I know you have this great framework and I know you've also, you know, you've kind of put this uh, to paper, you've uh, documented this in a book. So let's first kind of, Start by sharing with the audience the book, a little bit about the book and the framework, and then we'll just kind of hone in on a couple of those aspects of the framework. Absolutely. Well, uh, the book years ago was one that I wrote because I realized that, you know, if I was going to provide any value to those that were coming behind me as leaders, you know, what was it that I had made mistakes not doing that I could hopefully help them avoid as those pitfalls. Uh, and that's the, that's the beauty of coming on a podcast like this is hopefully as we get a little bit older and hopefully wiser, you were able to look back and help people be a little bit more efficient and effective and maybe miss some of those things that we okay. face planted on when we were younger. That's and right. so rapid teamwork, and, and that's obviously, thank you very much for mentioning rapid teamwork is the, title of that book that really gives the five steps to turn individuals or groups into a more productive team. And and I use that kind of simple, silly acronym, GREAT. What does it mean to build a great team? Well, there's five things that go into building a great team. And if you're a leader in any industry, whether it's basketball or business, those same five things are going to create the unity and the commitment and the loyalty and the dedication and the engagement that most any leader wants. And that's Mm -hmm. first, are you defining and clarifying what are our goals as a team? What are we here to do together? And then going into relationships and building deeper relationships and recognizing who it is you're there to work toward the goal with. Uh, And then after that, I think one of the most overlooked parts of team building isn't just the relationships and those connections, but it's also, have we really done a great job of clarifying what our expectations are? Have we set up not just what our values are, but what does that look like in practice? What are the behaviors that demonstrate those values? And what are the commitments we're gonna make every day in terms of how we're gonna go about our behavior, whether it's on the practice court or in the conference room or in the hallways of our business, because you cannot hold people accountable, which is that fourth step until you've really made it clear what those expectations are. Accountability without clear expectations is just cruelty. And then finally, what are you doing to thank your people? What are you doing to really recognize those things that you want to see repeated? Uh, 
And I think that oftentimes as leaders, and again, one of those many things I was guilty of is I was very vague with my praise Mm -hmm. and vague praise invites vague effort and improvement. And so can we be specific in recognizing what it is that people are doing that's moving our team forward and having those positive results? Yeah. You know, Sean, again, I I love frameworks that I can remember and, and I can remember the word great and I can probably remember, you know, all the the five aspects of that. Uh, but what I, one of the things that I really recall after speaking with you the first time is I was very, I could easily connect the dots between what you're teaching in this team building uh, with it, with this framework around the word great and the working definition of leadership that we use uh, right. within the credible leadership group with the exception that I may have to change up our definition a little bit because I couldn't come up with a correlation to the T, thanks, uh, which I do agree is totally important. Uh, and I'm not going to run down a rabbit trail too far here, but <laughs> my audience has heard me say this many times. We utilize the definition of leadership, influencing others towards a shared goal. Mm-hmm. And when I look at your framework, I can connect the dots to all of that uh, that definition. You obviously use the word goal. Uh, it's in our definition as well. You have to have a purpose. If you're if you're leading without a purpose, you're not leading. You're you're wandering aimlessly somewhere, right? Um, the word influence in our definition, we use that because it carries with it this notion of willingness to follow, right? I, I'm willing to follow. I, I'm being influenced by this person, and your relationship can you know connects that when you have a good relationship with folks. Mm-hmm they become willing to follow you. And then your expectations and accountability, I often talk about in our definition, the word shared, right? A shared goal. It really has two aspects. First of all, it's communicated. You have to share the goal. You have to communicate the goal. Um, And like you're talking about with expectations, if they're not communicated, if they haven't been shared, then no one knows what they are, right? Uh, And then the accountability, the second part of our word shared is this notion of we are in this together, Right. Even though I'm the leader and I've communicated the goal to you, it's not a situation where you go accomplish the goal. We are in this together. I'm in it with you. Right. I mean, even though I'm the leader, I'm in the trenches with you. Uh, and that's uh, this mutual accountability that happens uh, when that's the case. Right. So I've got to come up with thanks. Uh, but I just <laughs> I just love your framework because it so fits in with what we teach related to leadership. No, and and I think that's fantastic in terms of not just the correlation, but you mentioned the idea of shared and that word carries with it so much weight because as you said, it's not just the leader communicating and sharing those ideas, but it's that individual commitment as well because and the story that I tell in in all of my books are really parables. So it's a story that's going to share in the midst of the story. Here are those five things that the guide is going to, you kind of share with the leaders that are on that rafting trip. Mm -hmm. And every team kind of goes through rapids of sorts, you know, that you need to be able to navigate in terms of change or difficulty or issues that pop up. But the idea of what does it mean to take a a group and have them along that journey become a team, it really does focus upon the goals first and then building relationships. And I think that there is that step-by-step process that without the previous one, there's no need or reason to go to this next one Mm -hmm. because you're skipping a step. And I think that sometimes as leaders, it's really important to recognize the importance of are you establishing that buy-in individually in terms of you know, those shared goals and shared, you know, have you really solicited and encouraged and inspired that 
individual to be a small part of something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Sean, what I would like to do, I think, is is um, for the sake of time here, I'd like to pick on a couple of these aspects of this great framework and and just kind of deeper dive into that. And one of the the areas that I would like to kind of dive into is accountability, uh, because uh, for a number of reasons, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, again, in our in, in my audience here, my audience has heard me say many, many times leadership is about relationship. And so I think we've got the R, you know, the goals are pretty self-explanatory, right? If, if you got to have a goal, you got to have a purpose or, or, or what, you know what are you doing? Right. But accountability, I, I feel like is oftentimes misunderstood in a number of different ways. I think accountability sometimes is is understood as uh, punitive, maybe, you know, well, oh, you're just lording over me and you're just kind of cracking the whip to hold me accountable to do the things that that I'm supposed to do. Uh, I think it's also misunderstood at times around, uh, especially in the context of a team, that accountability is really one person, typically the leader, holding everybody else accountable to do the things that they're supposed to do. And I don't see or, uh, accountability that way. I see it as every person holding every other person accountable to do the things they do, not one person cracking the whip kind of thing. So I'd love to get your deeper insights on accountability there. I appreciate you asking. This is one of my favorites because I think that it is, it's an easy part in the process for, for your team to go south in terms of the emotional response to what sometimes leaders will bring to the table. And as you said, you know, and, and again, as a young coach, I was absolutely guilty of being the hammer and my players were sometimes the nail and, mm -hmm. and this is the way we need to do. And that's not good, et cetera. And so recognizing how you can successfully and effectively and positively impact change behaviors goes on again, the, the shoulders of leader. And can I not just say what I want to say, but can I say it in a way that's going to really change their behavior for the team's betterment? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. accountability, I think, is about three E's. And accountability, those three E's, the first is example. All accountability starts with personal accountability. Am I doing what I know to be right? Am I leading with integrity? Am I acting as a winning teammate? Am I doing those things that I would want others to emulate? So the first is example. But I think the other two were sometimes overlooked because, as you said, sometimes accountability becomes that negative consequence and punitive consequence of if you don't this, then we're going to have to that. And certainly mm -hmm. I think that becomes part of in terms of making sure we keep everybody inside those guardrails and moving down the highway. But after our example, after you know, what we do to demonstrate what we want others to do. Those other two E's in accountability are unbelievably important. The first is empathy. I think that all accountability is based on empathy because if you really have committed to a goal, if you've identified a compelling common goal that everybody has shared and agreed to, that's where we want to go. That's the mountain that we want to climb. And if you've connected with your people and built those relationships and you recognize what some of those strengths are and what each people is going to bring to the team in terms of their contributions and resources, and you've set up kind of how we're going to do things in terms of the expectations, accountability is all about recognizing I may not necessarily have walked your path. I may not have been in your shoes, but I can imagine what might it be like if I were. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as leaders, and I tell a story in some of my keynotes, Michael, 
uh, about the importance of connection, the importance of assuming the best and asking curiously instead of assuming the worst in the absence of information. And I think as a young leader, the easiest thing to do as a young teammate or young is, is to assume the worst. And when somebody's late or when somebody doesn't have the project completed or when somebody doesn't live up to that expectation, we jump to that negative conclusion of, oh, they're lazy or they didn't care or they're not as responsible as we want to believe that they should be instead of being sincerely curious and inquiring about, you know, hey, what's going on? Is there something? Because sometimes life happens and sometimes things come up and we want to believe the best about our people. So I think that empathy is one of those things that is a key part of being accountable. The other side of that empathy coin is if I know our goal and if I know my teammates, I'm going to care about those teammates and that goal. And if I really care about my teammates and my goal, I'm going to be a far more careful contributor and I'm going to be far more committed to filling my role and delivering those deliverables to the rest of my team once I realize the ripples that my behaviors have. Mm -hmm. Because empathy is also me as a teammate recognizing that what I do matters, what I do affects other people. And again, structural integrity in buildings, if, if one beam is weak, it puts a whole lot more weight on the rest of the building. Right. I think it's the same way on teams, that my integrity as a teammate, if I'm not pulling my weight, somebody else is gonna end up having to shoulder that so I think empathy is a big part of accountability that goes back to being that example. Mm -hmm. And the third is encouragement. And I think that that's where leaders can probably more often improve is in those one-on-one -on -one conversations that you're having to build relationships. You're also asking questions to sincerely stay curious about, you know, what are you working on? How can I help? What are your obstacles? What can I do to provide you with resources so you can continue to develop and to be able to deliver those things that our team needs from you, because here's how you're continuing to impact. And I think a lot of times uh, we don't take the time as leaders to really encourage and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, because as you said, accountability without relationships is almost always going to have a negative impact emotionally. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm so glad you said that um, because that's one of the, 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 the dots that I wanted to connect for our, our leaders that are listening is this connection between relationship and accountability, uh, because I, I truly believe that it's relationship that enables accountability. Otherwise, you do have that misconceived type of accountability where it's punitive and, and so forth. And but I, but I also love like your example of empathy and your example of, uh, of uh, encouragement and an example with with stronger relationships so for instance with a stronger relationship being empathetic with someone is much easier than Absolutely. if i just don't you know i don't know them outside of the work environment or i don't know them well i don't have a relationship with them then being empathetic with them is uh, is much more difficult maybe even impossible honestly um, encouraging them is much more difficult because I don't have a relationship enough to know how to encourage them. Do they like a pat on the back or, or, uh, you know, a, a, a public recognition? What, how do I encourage them the best? If I don't have a relationship with them, I don't know that. You know, and, and one of the things I'm thinking about as you talk and I apologize being rude no and finishing your thought, but one of the things I thought about, you know, having been a high school basketball coach and literature teacher for two decades, you know, one of the things that always struck me as, 
interesting and, and, and really, really important is early on as a teacher, when you had to call home or you had to send an email home later on, hey, Johnny or Susie need to do so-and-so, they've not been doing such-and-such, such. a lot of times you get kind of pushback from the parents mm. because they hadn't heard from you except for when there's a problem. Right, yep. And later as a teacher, I began at the beginning of a semester, I would send out an email or I would try and reach out in some way even if it was a mass email, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm so-and-so, I'd like to mention something. And especially if you had somebody that you knew might need a little bit of extra attention in the classroom, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you'd make it a point for that you know, half dozen or 10 or 12 kids to reach out early on and try and make some connection early. And I think that sometimes we overlook the importance of those one-on-one -on -one conversations of building those small connections that allow us later on to have difficult conversations because every team, if they're going to move forward and have any type of real impact and make progress and get the results that are really high performing team results, they're going to have to have difficult conversations. And what you see in a lot of mediocre teams is they'll shy away from difficult conversations because they're afraid of the emotional response right. that a lack of relationships will provide. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that. And, and when when the relationships are not intact, those difficult conversations, uh, poor performance. You mentioned earlier, uh, you know, if I'm not pulling my weight, then that puts more weight and struggle on the other team members. Those types of things tend to go unaddressed when you don't have those relationships built up that are secure enough that you can have the difficult conversation without you know, emotions getting uh, all wrapped up in it and, and, and things like that. And, and I have a, a real quick story I'll share just to kind of drive home this idea of uh, the connection between relationship and accountability. And it's a quick story with my grandmother. Now, I, I know that this is a, a family relationship and everybody's going to say that, well, of course you uh, care what your grandmother says. She's your grandmother. But, but the fact is, I knew that she cared for and loved me so much. And we had such a really, really good relationship that she never had to reprimand or she certainly never, uh, I had grandparents, you know, grandfathers and dads and all that spanked me, but my grandmother <laughs> never did. Um, she never had to. Right. And I just remember this one instance where uh, my granddad had asked me to, to mow the lawn. And so I was mowing the lawn. I was mowing the backyard and my friends came riding up on their bicycle and said, hey, we want to go play baseball. Well, I just left the lawnmower right there and I took off and I went and played baseball. And uh, at some point in time, my granddad came home. He finished off the, the, the mowing the lawn and put the lawnmower away and all that. I came back. Granddad had already left again and my grandmother was in the kitchen and like she always does, uh, she started to make me a sandwich uh, because uh, she knew that I was probably hungry, right? And she sat the sandwich down in front of me and she just, I just remember she sat across from me and she said, I was really disappointed in you that you didn't finish the grass for your granddad. Now I, I'm telling you that relationship that we had, that she and I had, I wish she had whipped me with every switch in the backyard instead of say she was disappointed in me, mm -hmm. but you can bet from then on, I never want, never, ever again, did I not finish the grass or never, ever again, did I, did I do something that I was worried might disappoint my grandmother, right? Just those few words, 
That's all she had to say. And that was all based on the relationship we had. She was holding me accountable to doing the right thing for my granddad with just a few words because of the relationship. And and one of the things I think that, that leaders eventually get is everything communicates. Mm-hmm. If your grandmother hadn't said a word, that would have communicated to you that that's not important. Again, you know, it, silence is consent. If you mm-hmm. don't say anything, people assume that things are okay. So when we don't, you know, your people notice what you think is important and mm-hmm. your people also notice what you don't address. Yep. And that's what eventually allows, again, I, I, you, you, you shared your definition of leadership and I'll share with any group that I work with. My very simple definition of culture is the behaviors that are allowed to be repeated in any organization. That's right. And that's in the family, what behaviors are allowed to be repeated because once it's addressed, I realize that's a guardrail and I need to stay inside those guardrails if I want to be part of this organization. And I think you can address those in so many different ways based upon the quality relationship that you've built. Think it's so powerful. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I say that uh, culture is, it's not what you mandate, it's what you tolerate. Right? Whatever you tolerate, that's going to become the uh, the culture. Well, uh, Sean, I want to kind of move away from accountability maybe. And th- the other aspect of your framework that I think um, we could all use and be better at is the the thanks, right? And, and as I, I said earlier, that's the one piece that doesn't connect with the, the definition of leadership that I utilize on the podcast here. And so I know that all of our listeners and, and me included, uh, we could be better at this, right? So I'd certainly like to understand a little of your insights here around how can we do a better job at expressing appreciation? Well, and I appreciate that because I love to be able to talk about recognition and identifying and helping people to feel seen. Uh, but before we leave accountability, yeah. I do want to make sure that, that, that I mention, you know, that the idea of examples and empathy and encouragement, that sounds great on a podcast, mm-hmm. but what does it look like in terms of when the rubber hits the road, when I have to have those difficult conversations. And, and I think that, you know, establishing those team norms and being clear about expectations solves a lot of problems where there's no vagueness. If there's no fog, there's fewer wrecks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the idea of accountability is how are you having those feedback conversations and are you giving your people tools to have feedback conversations among themselves? Mm-hmm. Because the best locker rooms I was ever able to lead were locker rooms where it wasn't me that had to be that only voice, but they were actually holding each other accountable because they were comfortable having feedback conversations and explaining, Hey, here's how we need to do things here. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And and sometimes it doesn't need to be anything that is negative or demeaning at all, Mm -hmm. but are you doing the work? And and we've got, you know, I've certainly had workshops and, and training sessions virtual that have worked with, how do you deliver feedback in your organization? Do your people have the tools that allow them to do that effectively? So it's not just the one bad guy that has to right. be that hammer. Are you being a little bit more healthy in your organization through that accountability? And that leaves you obviously with a relationship where you can still see the best in. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the, the greatest failings of leaders and teammates is in neglecting to acknowledge effort. Yeah. And, uh, and as a, as a basketball coach, I was unbelievably vague 
and painfully poor in my recognition because when I first started, I was that driver. I was that goal dominated, yeah. you know, yeah. in the disc, I was the hard driving D and I'm going to get to the goal. And, and I think that I probably believed, you know what, we'll celebrate and I'll say thank you at the banquet in a few months. That's right. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, what type of just misery I put those first few teams through because I was such a driver. And so, yeah, that's good, but we're not there yet. Yeah, that's good. We're not there. And I wasn't celebrating progress along the way. And, mm -hmm. and I think that one of the key things that motivates people, you know, up to a certain point, obviously it's pay. Mm -hmm. But after that, have you given people a purpose? There's the goal we talked about. Right. And have you shown them progress? And if you can celebrate progress and they feel that they've got momentum, that so influences the morale in an organization when they yeah. feel like we're beginning to get up the mountain mm -hmm. instead of toiling and we're still spinning our wheels and we're still, you know, can you show them, here's the progress we're making. Here's where we started. This is where we're at. You're doing a great job. Keep at, you know, and I think that that, you know, certainly pay at a baseline, but is there a purpose and is there your role in showing progress and appreciation for that progress and do people feel seen for their efforts? Cause as yeah. I said, you know, as a, as a basketball coach, I said, good job a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and I think good job probably cost me a whole lot of players effort because they didn't know what they were doing a good job with. And then yeah. that vain praise, I think ended up diminishing effort because they didn't know exactly what it was that was really affecting the team's success. Yeah, you know, I, I again, I think uh, you're not alone. I've been there, and, and at times I still fall into that trap of being vague with my uh, with my thanks, with my expressions of appreciation. You know, I I've had the bad habit at times of saying, you know, hey, I, thank you so much for all you do. Uh, what does that mean, right? Uh, there's no, there's nothing specific about that, and and I can just imagine, uh, you know, basketball players, young kids. And, and when there's no specifics, there's no details, they don't know what to repeat at that point, right? And the same exact thing happens in our, in our teams and our work teams is if we're, if, if we're not clear, even with our expressions of appreciation, it leaves our team members wondering what's good and what's bad. I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dave Ramsey organization, but they have a leadership statement that I love. And he says this, to be unclear is to be unkind. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's across the board. That's in expectations. That's in goals. That's in, you know, difficult conversations. But that's also relevant to sure. expressions of appreciation as well. If you're just, if you're unclear, mm -hmm. you should view that as being unkind to that person. And, and a huge fan of the Dave Ramsey organization. Obviously, I think he does a fantastic job, obviously, through leadership and entre leadership. And, mm -hmm. but, uh, but that idea, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, leading people through change because there's constantly going to be change in organizations. And that's a really difficult thing for a lot of people on the front lines is, well, you know, we, we just did this and now you're asking me to do this and now I've got to implement this and now we're doing. And so that idea of, of change is something that people aren't always real comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it's back to the, are you being unclear? Because if I, as a leader, can get rid of the fog for my people, if we can provide some clarity about what we're doing and why we're doing it and what it's going to look like, if you can get rid of the fog, people don't mind detour signs. They just want to know, 
in a very clear fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that's expected of me and what's going to be the outcome? And if you can explain the why and the where and the how, mm-hmm. then, then that becomes so much easier to enact whatever, you know, change or, or progress initiative you're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and on this, this topic of, uh, of appreciation too, I'd like to get your thoughts on um, different people receive that in different ways, right? Um, I, I can recall a, a time where uh, I, as a leader, I didn't have a really good relationship with someone that I felt like needed to be recognized. Mm-hmm. I actually called out their name in a big, you know, kind of all hands meeting um, and later found out they were just mortified that, that I had done that, right? I kind of, I think they felt like I'd made kind of a public, public spectacle of them. And so that, that expression of appreciation completely fell flat. And it was just because I didn't know that person that well. And and I think you can probably see what I'm doing here. I'm even connecting the dots between relationship and, and, and expressions of appreciation as well. But I'd like to get your thoughts on different people receive appreciation different ways. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure you're familiar with the different love languages. And that's something that's good right. to know. And, and, and there are even brief assessments you can give your team, whether it's the animal personal styles inventory or you know, the, the love languages inventory that are really powerful to get to know your people better. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I started to do, and, and even midway through my coaching career, you know, I would get kids to fill out not just the information form, but what are some things that you like? You know, what is your favorite candy bar? What is your favorite drink? And, and what is, your, you know, because those are things that make gifts or make, you know, or having pregame something. Can you get something that different people are going to enjoy a little mm-hmm. bit more than others? What are some things that you can't have for that you don't want that you really, because the more that we can kind of keep an understanding and an appreciation for those unique idiosyncrasies of our team, the more they feel seen, mm-hmm. not just for their efforts, but for the unique value that they bring. Right. And, and I think that it is really important for leaders. And if you've not done this, this is one of the most powerful things that you can do is a make a commitment to yourself that you're going to clarify the goal and the people are going to understand their role and what part they're contributing and what ripple impact they have mm-hmm. on accomplishing the goal that drives engagement significantly. Can you connect the dots for your people? So they understand how, what they do each day ultimately has a far more meaningful impact down the line. Mm-hmm. And then beginning to build relationships. If you've not had one-on-one conversations with your people, um, I think that's one of the best things I did as a coach. One of the best things that the leaders that I've coached and work with in corporate environments, one of the most powerful, positive things to build your team culture is to begin those one-on-one conversations and to keep a folder on your people. Do you have that information sheet? Do you have that understanding of their personality and not just their background from HR, but from what do I need to know about them so that when I do have those conversations and I do you know, talk to them about, hey, what's going on with your son or your grandmother or whatever those individual, you know, sincere, curious questions might be, they're all going to be based upon my knowledge of that person. And all it takes is being able to review that folder and look back through before so that you do pick up and you do continue to establish that rapport and that sense of caring that, that really goes so long in terms of the thanks and the accountability and the other things that leaders have to do. Yeah. I love all those steps. And, and I totally, I know we've mentioned a couple of times the one-on-one meetings and all, and, and I certainly see that's where the relationships are built. If you have those consistent one-on-one meetings 
and you're intentional to put some time in those meetings around relationship building just to get to know one another better, then that's where your relationships are built. And, and, and again, just like it enables accountability, relationships enables appreciation. It, it enables you to give thanks to your team members. Um, one, you can recognize what they're doing that is right, and you can be specific about that. But now you also have a, a relationship such that you know exactly how to express that appreciation to them. One of the, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen and, and utilized is when I – uh, you know, when I want to give something to someone as an expression of appreciation, if I have a good enough relationship with them that I can give them something that is really, really thoughtful, that I know is is very, very applicable to them, then the receipt of that appreciation is so much more powerful on their side. Um, it's kind of the, the, the analogy I use is for uh, Christmas, you get either an Amazon gift card. Or you get, you know, something that is super special to you that you've always wanted and this person knew that you wanted it. And, and so, right, th there's a total difference there. And that relationship enables you to do that. And I think it's better received by that person and more powerful to them because, as you just mentioned, it recognizes their contribution to the team, right? You're being specific. I'm thanking you for this reason. But it also recognizes them as a person, on that team as well. And the more you know about him, you know, you know, who is the the basketball fan or the baseball fan or who mm -hmm. collects these miniatures or you know, you know what those little buttons are that are unique to them. And and right. again, that idea of giftology I think is is yep. really, really powerful in terms of your recognition. Yeah, totally agree. Well well Sean, I know we've kind of dove into accountability and thanks here. Uh, but I also I just want to kind of give you the wide open question of is there any other aspect of the framework or, or team building in general, maybe that we haven't discussed here that you feel like would be really important to mention to the audience? Well, I think that ultimately, you know, if, if they're still listening to us at this point, then I think that they're on board in terms of recognizing the impact of mm -hmm. culture on their success strategically. And I think that's one of the things that I didn't realize early on, Michael, mm -hmm. is that, you know, strategy was something I had so poured myself into that my strategy and our team's success was literally sabotaged by our lack of attention to culture. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to pour resources and time and effort into building culture, including the goals and the relationships and all that comes with that, I think that ultimately you see your people beginning to be that much more invested in taking ownership and, and wanting to make that strategy succeed. And, and so, the one thing that I would encourage leaders to consider is how much time have you invested not in strategic stuff, but in culture building stuff? And, you know, how much of your resources have you invested not in strategic stuff, but in building culture and connections that are ultimately going to allow those X's and O's in your industry to really take off? And, and I think that that's something that in looking back and reflecting, our program succeeded far more significantly when we took the time in the preseason and away from the court to do things that made us a whole lot more successful there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that, that wisdom with our, our listeners there, Sean, because uh, what is, there's a, there's a quote, I don't, I don't know who to attribute to it, but it, it says something like uh, culture eats strategy for lunch, right? So it doesn't matter how good your strategy is, a bad culture will 
disable it completely, right? Uh, destroy it. Uh, so I'm so glad you you shared that uh, with the audience. Um, and, and I know also just uh, like you said, if people are still listening, they're bought in <laughs> and and they they know that they've got to do a better job of building team uh, their team. Uh, and so I'm sure they're wondering, well, how do I find this? this Sean guy and, and where is he and how can I connect with him? So share with our audience, where can they find you and how can they better connect with you? Absolutely. would love for your audience to reach out. I'm always available to help leaders. Again, I'm passionate about helping leaders build more connected and uh, engaged teams. You can find me online at greatresultsteambuilding.com. Uh, in addition to the Great Results Team Building website, which is kind of the hub on social media, on Twitter, I'm at Lead Your Team. Would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Again, Sean Glaze. And one of the things that I'd love to be able to make available to all of your leaders, Michael, is uh, on my website, I offer access to a teamwork toolbox. Okay. And so if they go to toolboxstuff.com, Real awesome. simple, no spaces, just toolboxstuff.com. That'll give them immediate access to that teamwork toolbox of not just downloads and printables, but activities that they can use with their team. And that will include for them, since I can't send them a printed version, that'll include for them an actual full audio copy of the book, Rapid Teamwork, that a whole awesome. lot of our conversation is focused on. And I hope that they will not just enjoy that, but please do reach out. Uh, just released a, uh, a masterclass kind of leveraged online coaching program that goes over the exact same stuff of those five different facets of what it means to build your culture and anything I can do to help leaders be better with their team. I'm thrilled to be a part of contributing. Awesome. Awesome, Sean. I'm, I'm so glad you're, you're making those things available. And, and I will certainly have in the show notes for this podcast episode, I'll have links to all of that as well as your social media and how to, how to connect with you there. Uh, and I'm really excited because I think our audit, or I'm hoping our audience is going to hear from you relatively soon again, uh, because I know as this podcast episode is airing here, you're kind of right in the throes of releasing another book. So uh, wet our appetite a little bit about that one. And then you and I, it'll be on us to, uh, to get back together again and have another episode. Margo, you're fantastic. I would love to be able to visit with you again. And, and thank you so much for mentioning on October 28th of 2021. Uh, that'll be a Thursday for your listeners. Uh, we will be releasing my next book, which is Staying Coachable. And one of the things I found is, again, not just basketball, but business and virtually any industry. What you find is the ceiling that people have is largely based upon how coachable they are. And what I define coachable as is you want to get better and you're willing to change. Well, everybody wants to get better, but not everybody is willing to change. Mm -hmm. We sometimes want to get better doing things our way instead right. of taking the advice and the expertise of others. And, and so I've put together another parable and staying coachable shares not just a story, but really four powerful sets of questions that will help you and your team to continue to grow and to enjoy relentless improvement, climbing wherever mountain you choose. Yeah. It's so funny that you said that because as you did, it took me all the way back to high school and it actually took me back to something that my high school basketball coach used to say to us. And he used to say, everyone wants to be better, but not everyone wants to get better. 
right? Yeah. And it's that it's that change, it's that hard work of getting better. So as you were saying that, I, I remembered him saying those things to me. So I, I so appreciate that. Well, now that we've mentioned that, uh, and we've said that here in front of everyone, then we've got to make that return visit to the Rookie Leaders podcast happen. We've definitely got to make that happen. But, but Sean, thank you so much. You, you've dropped a ton of wisdom on us today, and I greatly appreciate that. And and again, I really like uh, appreciate you highlighting uh, team building, which again is an area that I don't feel like I have really focused on a lot here on the podcast. So thank you so much for that. And and I would just say that I know me and I know our listeners. We're better leaders for having spent some time with you today. So thanks for joining us. Really enjoyed the time. Look forward to our next conversation. Thanks so much, Michael. There you have it, friends. Great conversation with Sean Glaze. I so appreciate you, Sean, for being on the podcast and sharing your team building wisdom with our audience. Thank you so much for do th- doing that. And be sure you check out the show notes for this episode, rookieleaders.com. This is episode number 71. You can find links to everything that Sean was referring to there in the show notes. So be sure you check that out. And now I'm going to go fight with my dog, much like Sean does. And until I speak to you again next time, be blessed and lead well. This episode of the Rookie Leaders Podcast has ended, but never fear. You can find other binge-worthy podcasts and episodes at rookieleaders.com. If you like this episode, please rate and write a review in iTunes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And remember to share this episode with your friends and colleagues looking for leadership lessons of their own. We appreciate your support. For more great leadership content, head over to credibleleaders.com.